it. I try hard not to let the tail of a civic holiday wag the dog of a sermon. But you could argue that the Continental Congress voted and approved this declaration, which announced it was taking off the yoke of Great Britain. Do you remember reading it completely? Hi, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. We are a part of the United Church of Christ, and we are an open and affirming congregation. You can find uh, you can find us at Oakton Street and Laramie Avenue, in the near north suburb of Chicago land. I just passed the 28th anniversary of my becoming the pastor of St. Peter's, so I've been here since July 1st of 1992. Um, I'd like to think my preaching has gotten better over the years, but. Who's to judge that, except the people who've been listening to it? Uh, this edition is for July 5th, uh, 2020. The lector is our music director, Ben Westfall, and he'll be reading two scriptures, one from Romans and one from the Gospel according to Matthew. And uh, I will touch on some themes of the Declaration of Independence, but really the focus is on the sermon which is called The Great Invitation. Here we go. Following the lectionary, our first reading is the Epistle Lesson, that is Romans chapter 7, verses 15 to the first half of 25. Paul reveals some of his humanity and struggles as he writes about the inner conflict between doing what is right and doing what the fallen part of him wants. From Romans 7, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can, will call what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see my members, another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Christ our Lord. This ends the reading from Romans. Our Gospel lesson this morning comes from the 11th chapter of Matthew, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. It begins after Jesus had been saying some things about John the Baptist, and he will continue on that for a little while. From Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, But to what will I compare this generation? 
It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by their deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and we have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here ends the reading from Matthew and the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of God, for the people of God. Our service now continues with a few words about the offering. On a holiday weekend, when we hope for a festive, restful time of activity, or not, I'm guessing that we heard gladly the closing words of today's gospel reading. Come to me all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, hear the words gladly. I mean, we've been facing COVID-19 for three to four months, you and I are dragged down by its existence, its spread, the rising death count, the forced lifestyle changes, and if you're a healthcare worker whose life has been really, really embroiled in caring for people while trying to care for yourself and loved ones, well, dragged down falls short of what's been happening to you and within you. We have mass unemployment, and the threat of economic collapse is often talked about. We remain in the midst of protests and serious pushes for anti-racist institutional change in very many walks of life, from becoming aware of one's own privileged position as a white person in America, if you are white, to, re to eradicating systemic disadvantaging behavior in neighborhoods with food, pharmacy, and healthcare deserts, in neighborhoods populated primarily by people of color. Lack of funding for the same areas for quality public education, areas of bank lending, and the media perpetuating divisions and stereotypes. We have the almost constant drama, and more serious than drama, emerging from our nation's capital. Add to this Chicago's heat and humidity, and a lot of us want to, need to, 
hear these comfort-sounding words from Jesus, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. It reminds me of the words in John 6, 37, where Jesus said, Anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. Our front stained glass window above our Oakton Street doors has Jesus' arms extended and the words, Come unto me, in honor of the late Pastor Ken Taylor. It is an all-inclusive offer. Come to me, all of you who are weary, etc. Jesus invites all those who are having a hard time with it, those who feel overwhelmed, all those. John Calvin commented, The particle all is to be noted, lest anyone should shut the door on himself by a perverted doubt. All. The needy are those to whom Jesus has consistently addressed himself and for whom he is persistently there. Uh, now let's not forget that the first several words Ben read from Matthew were words of disappointed judgment from the Lord. This generation, he criticized, did not correctly read either John the Baptist or Jesus. But would the weary among them not also be included in this, in what scholars call the great invitation? Well, did you notice, though, Jesus is not promising a wayside rest, exactly. He's not saying, come to me and let's go on vacation. He's not saying, I'll take off that yoke with its heavy burdens and you're free forever. Did he? The great invitation to God is indeed great. And it definitely means the old yoke and its weighty loads are lifted. And he said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit, in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There it is. You, I, and everyone who answers his invitation gets another yoke. His yoke. Relax, though. It's much better than the one we have been carrying before coming to Jesus. If you're wondering by the way, when or if I'm going to talk about the Declaration of Independence or things or people related to it, I try hard not to let the tail of a civic holiday wag the dog of a sermon. But you could argue that the Continental Congress voted and approved this declaration, which announced it was taking off the yoke of Great Britain. Do you remember reading it completely? There is a list of unanswered complaints levied against Parliament and the King, what Jefferson titled a long train of abuses. Here's part of it. I quote, 
But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies. The revolutionary generation was going to create their own yokes, as it were, in the covenant of a democratic republic, which would come into form over 10 years later. When you hear those words again, it gives new weight to the protests and injustices that are being addressed. Not that the government needs to be thrown off, but it seems that which creates, perpetuates, and profits from purposeful platforms of injustice, steps for change need to be in order, in the spirit of 76. Now the yoke of Jesus that he's talking about is not what Philadelphia 1776 was. Justice is surely involved, but I'm not going to consecrate a war. Jesus actually may have been talking about the heavy burden his Jewish friends carried in trying to fulfill the law as taught by the scribes and Pharisees. Later in Matthew, he said about them, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to help them. Sound familiar? Well, let's not get too tied up in, in a physical image of the yoke, though it helps up to a point. Jesus did teach some hard, some say impossible things. In the Sermon on the Mount, for example. There, Jesus emphasized what goes on in the heart and mind, like one's motives, and not so much the external deeds that others can see and applaud are what matter. We're familiar with the teachings about turning the other cheek, not returning evil for evil, forgiveness, being the light of the world, love and pray for your enemies, and more. This teaching, which is above whatever the scribes taught, is the lighter yoke. Yes, it is. But how is that? How is that? Because what Jesus is about with the teaching, the easy and light yoke, is a new way to carry our responsibilities. Just because we come to Jesus and do get some rest for our souls, we still have life to live. Life brings responsibilities. The old yoke of the old way of living, the old game of unchanged life, as Frederick Bruner puts it, wears us down. And sometimes, even people or jobs we love can eventually become heavy burdens. We do not necessarily need to change people or circumstances or jobs, but in Christ, we can change the way we carry them, the way we move forward in life with them. I mentioned Frederick Dale Bruner. I'm sure that's a shocker, as Heather Shirky O'Hara says. He wrote, Bruner, Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a new way of bearing responsibilities, 
For in the final analysis, realism seems that life simply is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that following his teaching, which is the taking on of his yoke, for example, that Sermon on the Mount, will develop in you and me a peace and balance, a way of carrying life that will give more rest than we now find ourselves able to experience. Let me say that again. Taking on the yoke of his teaching will develop, not instant, will develop in us a peace and a balance, a way of carrying life that will give more rest than we are now, that we now find ourselves able to experience. To keep Jesus' word, capital W, by faith, he beckons us to do that. Well, that's to breathe with new freedom, to live with new quality, and so, in his words, find rest for our souls, which can also be rendered, find rest for our lives. One way this is true is that the equipment we are issued, the word, comes with a matching yoke, because yokes do come. It's not just a single yoke, generally, it's to pair two animals and maybe even more together. Not to get too image-laden, but to, to my interpretation, if we do get a little limber, get a literal, little literal, that means community. The book Resident Aliens spends time telling the church that everything we are taught by Jesus to do and be comes in the context of faith community. The church. Work on our own anger, our, our ability to forgive, our prayer life, and even our love of enemies is not meant to be all on you or me alone. We are meant to encourage, teach, support, and pray for each other in doing our best to grow in what we've been taught as the higher road of agape, love, and humbleness. Christ does not intend for his disciples to be Lone Ranger Christians, bearing the weight of spiritual growth and discernment by our lonesomes. That can make it heaven. But wait, there's more. Jesus said to we weary, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This phrase gives us a more personal relationship with Jesus. It's his yoke, or word, which we're following by faith in him. He says, learn from me, not learn about me, which is more intimate. He's going to be right there teaching us the word. Think perhaps of a movie where, uh, or a TV scene, but where a beloved dead mentor comes to the mind of the endangered hero or heroine right when they need such kind of inspiration. And this image of this deceased mentor says something. That turns the page inside her or him, maybe reinforces determination, and thus he or she acts successfully on that inspiration. For Jesus, teaching us while we live with his yoke upon us would be a sense of take my word upon you and 
Let me be your personal teacher through it. Let me speak to you through it. A yoke is not equipment for sitting. It is a walking instrument. Jesus was an itinerant preacher, right? He moved around a lot and preached and healed. And uh, so you could think that he might teach best in movement. Bruner points out that Jesus preferred to teach en route, recall Easter night, before they got to Emmaus. On the way, teaching. On the way, opening up the word. On the way in the life process. Christ added, and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. I was told that rabbis and biblical teachers in Jesus' time were the opposite. They were characterized by great strictness and discipline. If you've ever watched Paper Chase, and remember Professor Kingsfield, as played by John Houseman, you got the idea. Jesus, by contrast, presents himself as gentle and humble, or he could even be translated simple. A teacher's manner is nine-tenths of the teacher's impact. Jesus believes that his manner is a reason why studying with him brings refreshment. We are not meant to do this alone. Now, in seeking to live out the word, in a kind of reference to 1776, we may find ourselves responding to the unrighteousness in our culture, society, and the world. We will find it harder and harder as we are more and more steeped in the word to help sin along by never challenging it, by accommodating it with silence and passivity. A while ago, I wondered if this generation, which, about which the Lord found reason to complain, would be included in the great invitation. Well, I admit I don't think I've ever preached on that passage before. The, the whole little passage about the kids in the marketplace was lost on me. Until last week, when I spent time with it. Don't worry, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole. In fact, I'm bringing us to a close. Jesus said his generation, unmoved long-term, they may have been in the crowds, but it didn't last, unmoved long-term by him or his cousin John, were, quote, like children. Calling to one another, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. A bridal game, a funeral game the kids did. John and Jesus did not play the games the rest of their world acknowledged and enjoyed. They came preaching repentance, also known as change. They were not there to play along with the scribes and elders. Jesus came to bring the new covenant of grace and faith mediated by his blood. They were not there to turn a blind eye to compromised priests, legalistic profiteers, personal immorality, or those who were abandoned when they got sick, blind, or widowed, or orphaned. They were not going to play fun games with any who brought upon the Jews and the poor a long train of abuses and usurpations, especially if they were done in the name of the Lord. 
generation truly did not apprehend the lessons of John and Jesus, so they whined and criticized them. You're not doing it the way we want to do it. So may some of we faithful in the yoke be, as we also, having been taught the law of love by Jesus, no longer turn blind eyes to wickedness in low, medium, and high places. And so will we meet with disappointment and resistance. But in the yoke where we learn from Jesus, and we're not sitting, souls are on the move, and ain't nobody going to turn us around. That's good news. Thanks ever so much for tuning in to this edition. I hope you uh, found the sermon meaningful and uh, the scriptures uplifting, if not also challenging. So thanks again once more. Uh, We're grateful for all those who tune in, especially during these tough times. And I hope that these podcasts have, uh, have helped you grow in your spirit and in your relationship with Jesus Christ. May God bless your week, and uh, we'll be having another one on July 12th. Bye.